We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Welcome to another episode of Marriage Lab. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jenna. And this episode, we're going to be talking with our friends Andrew and Jess. But before we get to that, we wanted to have a little chat ourselves. So on Saturday, this coming Saturday, we're going to, we have plans to, Jenna's going to do spin class in the morning, and then I'm going to do something with my men's group, recording some stuff with men's group, and then... What are we doing after Family that? plans. Our friends are moving to Taiwan for a few months. Oh, yeah. So we're doing a goodbye lunch with them. And then... Oh, yeah. Our friends having an epic birthday party. They always they do like night-long either trivia events, or but they kind of keep it a secret, so we don't actually know what this year entails. Yep. My question to you is, it's a reoccurring theme that we kind of like have to share the real estate of Saturday mornings. So we, yeah. we're always intentional about like having... There's not like we don't have a schedule or like I think we're not like systematic of this how much family time we have on the weekends, but we both do work and and then also have small children which are both emotionally taxing. Yeah. So there is some like that's high if it like knowing that the weekend we can have a little bit of play, like play space to right. play. So we we do family stuff and then we do like couple stuff, like this birthday party that we're gonna be going to. But in the on Saturday mornings recently I was like Ooh, can I? I forget where it started, but I was like, can I go to a coffee shop for an hour? Actually, that was my idea. One of my friends who's an introvert was like telling me that their husband lets them go to a coffee shop and it's just really helpful. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's actually been something. And I feel like we've had to work out is um, I'm naturally, I think of what sounds fun and refreshing for me. And that's not Aaron's default for himself. Right. And then he'll get burned out, but then kind of not know how to recharge. Do you think that's fair? You've been on a journey of figuring out what's, we've said it, the journey of what's fun. Yeah, what's fun for me? Because like woodworking was an answer to that. Uh, we right, discovered yeah. like I think it was just truly what it brings you life. Like your, I think your default up until the last couple of years was all the answer was always movies or yeah. TV, and you've explored more than that. You're like realizing right. there's probably other things even on a journey. Yeah. And so on Saturday morning, she said, um, "You can go to a coffee shop for an hour if you want, or you know however long." And so I did, and it was fantastic. Just I, I mean, I hadn't. I don't feel like I had done that for years and years, like since we had kids or something. And I know you that's not... To, it's true. But you go to coffee shops, but you usually for the purpose of like kind of mentoring guys in the group or meeting or connecting. Yeah, so you just do connecting that, but, with people is normally... So going to a coffee shop by myself hasn't happened in a long time. And so it was glorious. I I wrote, I read a book and... That's pretty much it. But you know what's funny is it. I'm just a, like I'm as you're describing how fun it is and what you're doing there. I just all of a sudden imagined myself going to a coffee shop by myself. I was like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> One, Jenna doesn't like hot beverages. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't. There's nothing at coffee shops for me. Yeah, and then also though the idea of being having to sit and not do anything in public. But I'm like, I would love to go. Like I don't like being by myself. It's usually just running, biking, rollerblading, like something like hiking right and so on saturday then the a couple weeks later jenna's like hey can i go to a spin class at eight (laughs) o'clock and i'm like 
but that's like coffee time. <laughs> that's the time you let me go somewhere. And so then we were trying to do a back and forth. Like as soon as she gets back from spin class, I head out for a little while. And then, then we try to start our day after that. But we've never really like talked about. So my question is when I asked to go to spin class, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and my non-codependent self this year into mar- far into marriage is like, that's okay that you're upset about it. I'll make time for you. And I wish you were more codependent. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so much easier now, wouldn't it? I just yeah, it give in all the time again. It was it was so easy back when you let me do whatever I wanted. <laughs> it's true. And would fear my moodiness. Oh, I used man. to have such power there. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know I had power there. It was just me being moody. I didn't realize how manipulative it was. Oh yeah, but then on my end, like I was never if he was sad or distraught i would immediately be like what can i do to fix like to help you not fix you but like yes fix me yeah fix you but then i also knew like part of it was my response i i was over responsible for things that i couldn't actually shouldn't have been responsible in you for so now as i've become less responsible i'm like oh we can compromise you can go after you can go before like i can't move the spin class or i'll skip a couple weeks you know yeah so yep but I still get to go to the coffee shop, which is great. And I still get to go to the spin class. Yeah, we made it work. That's true. It's it's just kind of fun to see how far we've come. Let's get into this episode. Ready? Ready to hear their wisdom? This is episode two and our first episode with friends that are visiting or sitting at our table with us. And we have to give you some context real quick what we're staring at. Well, one, welcome What's your name? Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jessica. And we're the Leams. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well that You guys nailed it. That was such done. a good intro voice. Okay, how long have you guys been married? About four and a half years. Okay. And what we're looking at, in addition to two very beautiful friends, is we had to scramble at the last minute for headphones for them to record. So Jess is wearing our children's teal you know pretty nondescript headphones but andrew got the honor of wearing our four-year-old's kitty cat kitty cat unicorn (laughs) unicorn headphones and it's just the best to have a very serious man have kitty cat ears while we're talking to him (laughs) yes i appreciate it (laughs) i'm so i'm so glad you chose those just that he had to wear the kitty cat ones i think aaron made the choice for him (laughs) good choice i thought about it for a while (laughs) okay aaron do you want to tell that or tell everybody why we wanted jess and andrew to be on our show we like you guys a lot and we think you're hilarious every time we hang out with you guys we laugh a ton and um like belly laugh like sometimes yeah. i you know how like people are maybe reach for ice cream if they're having a bad mood i've definitely been like let's have the limbs over sometimes when i've needed mood pick me ups because i always leave our hangouts a little more known and then laughing as well like you guys don't yeah. do funny like shallow funny or deep you do a really like kind Good of refreshing mix yeah but it's like oh, feel lighter after hanging out with liam's come over again (laughs) yeah and we've done vacations together like little mini vacations where you guys are with our kids and our kids love you guys andrew used to be a children's pastor first through fourth grade Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and jess is just naturally good with our kids too oh my gosh yeah you love our kids so well and so um by byproduct loving us so well it's actually like We'll talk about it more, but it's been humbling for me to be so like loved on by y'all. They don't have children yet, 
so for context so sometimes i'm like when they come into our mess and they just help rather than like sit or be like it's fine they actually like usually pick up or do our dishes or help put our kids to bed it's like um we've had talks jess you and i about how uh it's hit buttons of like am i worth receiving this much love like this is challenging so you guys love so deep I feel that now listening to all these compliments. Thank Enough. you. This should happen like every 15 minutes. Yeah. Let's Just take a break for some affirmation. Sitting across the table being doted on. I'll take it. You do have a good podcast voice, Jess. Thank you. So we, um, that yeah, Jenna specifically wanted to talk about how generous you've been in Jess and how, how much you've given. And by your comment walking into our house, wow, it's so clean in here tells you how often we let you show up and don't pick up and well that's not even accurate like we pick up but it's not perfect how about that because like but know that we're not going to be judged by you and you love us where we're at and there's um yeah it's true you guys are next level and then also this is kind of recent but andrew is now my not counselor but life consultant Mm -hmm. and I keep I brag about you to everybody, and I wish you weren't full because. <laughs> and I'll do our our other friends do too because they're like, ah, oh, he's full for three months. Yeah, I just had coffee with a guy this morning. He's like, I checked out that guy Andrew. He's full. And I was like, dang, I'm sorry, bro. I was like, it's so good. <laughs> I'm seriously getting like such a new level of awareness of things that I had no idea were going on inside me that have been there my entire life. And it's super hard stuff. So we just had a, our last session yesterday and I cried a lot and it was super good. I don't know how much you tell Jess. I try and keep it private. Confidential. Smart. Actually it was cool (laughs) because I think we did the podcast and as we were doing our first episode, it was just us. Some of the things that Aaron was saying, it was the first time he'd really connected it and I connected it. It was actually, it was so interesting to have it be recorded, you know, and live. But then after we stopped recording, we talked about it for a while. And then it was perfect timing that he had a meeting with you because it was like so fresh. So then he like dug into it deeper. So it's great. I'm grateful to have your input and voice in his life too. It's been, it's been awesome. Wow, this is great. I know. Do we get to respond? Because we actually, just before coming over here, we're talking about you meeting with Andrew, Aaron. And Andrew's like, it's so impressive to me that Aaron can be my friend and we can do social things like this. And he can go so deep and so vulnerable and face really hard things together in a session like that. And so we don't talk about the specifics because confidentiality, but every time he meets with you, he says he's, more in love with the person that you are Aww. when he's done with those meetings. Oh, so that's great. Thanks. No fun. Guys, I feel like we could do this all night, but we should let's, let's Well the very last thing is that one thing that we liked about your relationship specifically is how you probably more than any other couple we know have evolved in your relationship oh, over yeah. the brief time that you guys have been friends longer than you've been married, right? Yep. We met when I was seventeen and I'm now thirty. Gosh, why does that sound so old it, it it just is considering i'm 35 that's a personal insult but <laughs> i actually think that you were 18 no Russian? yeah you went to college when you were 18 see this is how long she's known me she knows me better than i, know I taught myself him how sometimes. to do his laundry wow. wow she did i know can we tell a funny story yes. about that yeah. okay so when 
So one time Jess was like, hey, I need you. Can you come do this thing with me? And I was like, well, I have to finish my laundry. And she knows that it took me a long time. So she comes over and she's helping me fold. And we're in the dorms at this point. And all of a sudden she pulls out giant underwear. <laughs> Whitey tidies. Whitey tidies. And she said, why do you have these? And I said, they're not mine. And she said, yeah, they are yours. <laughs> and she called me Whitey tidy boy for a long time. <laughs> Wait, were they, they were? They were gigantic. They were like XXL. No, and they were like quadruple X. But it, there was no, there big. was no telling her that it wasn't mine. Andrew, I was like, those aren't mine. Andrew was a small man. I know. Just so you're aware. I mean, like medium at his biggest, I would say. <laughs> not a, not a quadruple. What X. size were you? Wear, what size whitey tidy were you, you back know, then? No, let's let's keep that private. <laughs> Maybe a youth XL. Yeah. Oh, but they got mixed in in the dryer. That's where they came from. That's so funny. Yeah, it's so we know we known each other deeply for a long time. <laughs> well, one thing when we were talking about having you guys on, what I like, in addition to obviously like you guys growing older, obviously like every couple does that, but actually like intentionally involving evolving and going after lids or things you don't like or didn't want to keep in your relationship and in each other, but then doing it with each other and supporting. I feel like sometimes I've watched couples like one person really leans into per- like growth and the other one doesn't. And it actually could be a point of con- like division, but um, watching y'all go through so many different iterations of your relationship. I'm like, Oh, it's been, that's been really nice. So that's one of the reasons we want to have you on. What are <laughs> some of the biggest personality differences between the two of you? Andrew, you go first. I would say it is our, so I am very introverted and I prefer to be alone. So quarantine felt like a gift, which was not a gift to my wife, who's very extroverted. So I would say that's one of the biggest differences is where we draw energy and where we feel the most alive. So I think that's kind of our give and take from each other is like not knowing what is, um, like who is wanting what and when, mm. yeah. And then to jump onto that, I would say also I am an external processor and he is an internal processor. So how we make decisions, he also makes decisions very quickly because he's thinking about it in his head a lot before he makes the decision. I make decisions after researching for hours and hours and hours because I want the best of the best and I need to talk it out. So that's another big one when you were first married did you have to like did that bother you like how did you deal with the slower the talking Mm -hmm. it out yeah i didn't really understand what external processors like i didn't understand how it worked or what it meant so when i when she'd say something out loud like oh i think i'm going to the store today and i was like oh she's going to the store and then she didn't go i was like why is she lying why isn't she telling the truth yes. how come she and she's like oh maybe one day i'll do this kind of job and then she wouldn't and i was like why why is she lying again this is so confusing so i had to have actually had to have someone explain this to me and they said so you know how you think of things in your head well she's doing that out loud and then i thought what's wrong with her is this a, is this a problem and then i realized that oh a lot of people do this so it was definitely a learning curve and still is sometimes like we've known each other for a really long time now and it's still that She'll say something and I have to say to myself, oh, she might actually be processing this. This might not be what she wants. She might not actually mean this. It might be something that's in her heart that she may or may not do. And but then sometimes that's backfired too, where she's like, I told you I was doing this. I was like, I thought you were processing. (laughs) 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize this was something solid. So still learning. And, but I would say not usually frustrating anymore. Usually like I'm just trying to understand each other feels like the biggest goal mm-hmm. for me, for sure. It's interesting. Um, so we, uh, have helped teach the DTR class for quite a few years. And I was, I was so surprised by how big of a deal it is for couples to manage the internal and external processing, how the internal ones, like the external ones can feel a little um, frustrated about not hearing the inside process. Like they want you to talk it out, but then you don't know what you're thinking yet. So how could you talk out? And then like the frustration you just expressed too. So Jess, can we hear your end of it? How did you, what kind of learning curve did you have with him being an internal processor? Well, I'm still in the curve. So <laughs> I would say that taking what he says at fact or that he actually means it. So I'm always confused when he says something. I'm like, well, are you sure you mean that? And then I can go into a shame spiral because I'm like, oh, he doesn't really mean that. So if he tells me you're doing a good job on something or gives me correctional feedback on something little or X, Y, or Z, I will think there's more to the story that I'm not hearing. So I've had to really learn to trust what he says and take it as at face value, I guess. Not face value in that there's not depth, but face value in that he actually says what he means and there's not a backstory that I'm not being let into. So him telling me, I need your help with the dishes more. Isn't him saying you're failing as a wife, you're failing at house chores, all the stories that I could shame spiral into. It's just him actually saying, I need this done type of thing. What else are you different in? I think that Jess is a lot better at the like softening her words. So being being more gentle, caring with how she's communicating something. And it took me a long time to... It took me a long time to change how I valued that, to be to be able to say, oh, the fastest way to communicate with Jess is not A to B. It's actually A and then like this long loop of going around in a circle and then coming back to B, where I'm actually adding a little bit more love, adding a little bit more care and understanding. And so I think... I think that's, it hasn't, I haven't felt like, oh, this is something wrong in me. It's just been a, oh, when I'm talking to Jess, this is not the best way to communicate. Like with Jess, it's actually better to have kindness or softness and tone. But maybe if I'm in a workplace or something like that, maybe that directness could be more helpful in this setting or that setting. So I think learning the different ways we communicate and valuing both, I think was something that took time because I would when she would process something back to me, I was like, she could have said that in one sentence. Like how come it's this like long dialogue and why is she telling me all the things she felt in every single moment? And, uh, and then, and then I realized, Oh, this is actually something really beautiful and something that Mm -hmm. I can learn to value and something I can learn to appreciate. And in the same way, I think that Jess has done that with me where she is, she's like, Oh, there are moments where that those quick words or concisiveness has actually been helpful and I think something that she's appreciated too. Is that true? Mm-hmm. And I think just the root in learning that what my strengths are might not be his strengths and vice versa, but there's beauty in that. And so I think even about being introvert or extrovert or other areas that I'm different than him. So family is a big one. 
I have a way different, I'm not going to say better, but I have a way different perspective of what family time looks like with friends, with family in general. Just learning our differences are okay and that we can learn from each other and balance each other out because my view of some things is not always the healthiest. So I think that's also a good, it's, it like brings me back to something that I felt attracted to in Jess in the beginning was her value for family Mm. because it was, because with my family, we grew up and we were pretty separated from each other and didn't enjoy a lot of even extended family things. And so when I would see Jess and she's like, oh, I'm going on this trip with my mom. I was like, what? People do that? <laughs> and like she would ask me and friends to come with her. And I was like, whoa, that feels like even the next level. Like how does someone not only want to be with their family somewhere traveling or like which is a single person from that family And then also to bring people in. Like, I love my family this much that I also want people to know and experience them, Mm -hmm. I think, was something that I thought that I saw was different in us and then had a huge value for, too. Wow. But learning to communicate through that, because he didn't just jump in and be like, yeah, I want to spend time with your family. It was learning to communicate, hey, this is a value of mine to bring you into that, and I need you to make it a value for you as well in this way. Or... Before COVID, I would go to see my family or do trips with my family maybe once or twice every couple months and knowing it's okay, I'll go and do that because I have a higher value for it. And then once or twice a year, you can come with me and I'm seeing you partner with me in it, but my value doesn't have to fully be your value either. Mm -hmm. So just learning to communicate through our different lenses of things, I think is a big what you just touched on, I've seen you guys do really well. Like um, the idea that it's not all or nothing. You're not either like not with me with the family value or you have to do everything that I do and like raise, like meet my value. But even with your extroverted introvertedness, like you do both do such a good job of like Jess when we're making plans on the weekend, like let me check with Andrew and see what he's up for. And then Andrew, I know that you do a lot more than you would do without Jess because you know it's important to her. But like you do, you guys just compromise all the time. And it's really beautiful to watch. Like knowing like, oh, like so then when we do get you, we're like, oh, like this was a thoughtful yes. Like you're very intentional with your yeses because I think almost because you do have to weigh your differences and be considerate of each other. So we watch you. It's kind of, it's, it's nice though. I think some people, um, you don't do it in a way that throws each other on the bus under the bus ever. It's very much like a consideration for each other. And it's, it's cool for us on the outside to be able to watch it and know that that's happening. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. what are you guys's Enneagram numbers and how does that play into your relationship? So I am in Enneagram eight wing nine. And what are you, Jess? I'm a two wing three. And so when Jess is stressed, she becomes an eight. And usually, and I actually like conflict. And so I'll feel like I'm in my normal spot. So then it's two eights arguing, which is (laughs) the worst. Two stubborn eights (laughs) arguing. We're both very stubborn people. And I'm sitting there thinking, I love this. This is amazing. (laughs) And she's thinking, our marriage is ending. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And so I think, I think for sure it's the... I think watching, well, and also it helps us learn because she's in my growth spot, which is the two. So I get to see, oh, wow, this this is why Jess is doing those things. This is how mm. she's helping. And to the point where when friends ask me what my number is, they think I'm a two because I've grown so much into that 
where they're like, oh, well, I would always just guess you're a two. And I'm like, wow, look how much I grown, you know, because it's I've learned a lot of that from Jess where she she would do things and I would watch and I would learn and I'd see value. But it was it took me a long time where it wasn't just from because I can't I don't have the ability to do things from obligation. It's it's like it's really hard for me. I can only do things if I'm fully owning it. And so to watch Jess be able to actually genuinely from the bottom of her heart be like i want to help this person and it didn't come with these weird strings attached or value system like oh maybe there will be more relationship for me if i'm helpful like all the things i saw be dysfunctional in helping Mm -hmm. she didn't have and so i learned and i think grew in that but i i'd say it's a big you've we feel it the most when we're in our natural like habitat in our home (laughs) (laughs) for sure Mm-hmm. the eight goes with the learning how to soften <laughs> is a big thing. So I would say that would be the negative side of the eight that we've had to work through is him, me feeling triggered by his directness, but also the positive is I've learned to be more direct in what I'm feeling, having needs. So to be able, I think a big problem with twos is they often don't know what their needs are and they can't communicate it. But yeah. when you have an eight husband who also cares about emotional health and being healthy in himself and in your marriage, he'll push, push, push and be like, well, I can't meet your needs if I don't know what they are. And so being able to directly communicate those and be like, what is it that I'm feeling? Or what is it that my heart is needing? Or what is the root of what's going on? So learning from him how to be more direct on my own has been helpful in a growth area. I think that's what's one of the cool things. I feel like y'all have let each other's strength almost like a be a greenhouse for maybe an area that wasn't your natural strength and actually risen to it and cultivated it in yourself rather than like begrudge it or I don't know, think like, Oh, I'm doing it because Andrew made me, but like you guys have both owned those areas and like, been like, okay, I'm going to grow in this because it's her strength and I can like use that momentum to grow it myself. So well done. Yeah. Um, we want to know what, is something you are proud of in your marriage? Well, I would say, and it piggybacks on what we just talked about, is how much trust that we have for each other. I think that when we talk about what sets us apart, not in comparison to other people, but maybe from where we were before or what we hope to be or hope not to be type of thing, is that we have not blind trust for one another, but we don't actually question our motives. So we always believe that, I mean, we do have to question it sometimes and push in for the belief, but at the root of what we believe, it's that he wants the best for me. Mm. I want the best for him. He's trying to connect to my heart. I'm trying to connect to his heart. We want to succeed in us, succeed in our marriage and in relationship and in life. And so I would say blind trust a lot of the time because we just don't question that. I don't know. So I, what I think yeah. I hear you saying too is that you don't have to go on the defense because you don't have to worry about protecting yourself. Like you can actually solve it because you know the other person is not coming to attack. Like mm-hmm. they're coming for connection. I mean, I do question it sometimes when I'm triggered or in a shame spot. Sure. But I think in general, just knowing deep down in my heart that we're in it together and that we're not going anywhere and that we've chosen each other and choice is a big having the choice of a yes is a big thing. And I think what I'd add to that is part of the trust comes from 
us feeling willing to ask each other anything. And I don't think we realized that was something rare in our relationship until I started meeting with people one-on-one and I'd say, well, have you asked your wife if she thinks that about you or feels that thing or, and they're like, no, I would never do that. That would open the door for all of these other issues or all these other problems. And I thought I would think, oh, is this something that is unique in us where Jess and I will ask each other any, any question, like there's nothing that's off the table and which is funny when, <laughs> when Jess gets triggered and she's feeling a lot of fear, she'll ask like crazy things sometimes. And it's, but it's actually fun and she lets me into those places. But it's a lot of just actually asking each other things or not. And I think too, it's like a new level now where it's, I will say to each other, if we're assuming something and I'm like, oh, you feel so mad at me right now, da 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 da. And, uh, and she'll say, why don't you ask me? Am I feeling that? And, and so we do that a lot with each other now where we say, well, do you want to ask me what I'm feeling? And then we're like, oh, yes, that would be good. But there's a lot <laughs> so the of the underlining asking. is like not assuming. Yes, absolutely. And and knowing that what they say is true. So it's not just to end the conversation or end the conflict or have it be less of an issue. It's actually to have deep connection and to trust. Like that trust is there. So then when she says, no, like that was not my intention at all. I can say, oh, I believe her. Like she would tell me the truth. And I think that's a big deal. Yeah. And not being afraid of what's going to come up in the response. So I was talking to my therapist a couple weeks ago and she said, well, what is the buy-in? So what is the buy-in with your marriage? I don't know if that quite makes sense, not in context, but like we've committed to our marriage. And so I don't have fear of whatever comes up in these hard questions because the buy-in is that we're in it together. The buy-in is that we're committed to working out the hard stuff. So if something really big comes up on either end, we know that we're going to be steadfast through it hand in hand, even if it's painful. Can you give me an example of one of the questions that you guys would ask each other that maybe a a couple that it would be hard for normal people to ask each other. I was literally going to get them asked that too. I was like, what are these questions? Tell us. Well, I think always just asking for their opinion, like the other's opinion. So I've had a couple work things come up recently and being able to give an example of what's happening to Andrew and then saying, do you, what is your perspective in this? How do you see me reacting in this? How do you see me maybe bringing in my unhealth or lenses that aren't healthy in this and just Wait, and pause. And yeah. it's not a trap, right? You're actually looking for, so if he gives you some, an answer you don't like, you don't punish him. Yeah. I feel painful and then it could feel painful. And I tell him, Hey, this hurts, but I'm glad that you told me the truth. I'm always seeking to, because if he can't be honest with me about something, then who can, and I don't want to have blind spots that I'm not aware of that are happening, that nobody's helping me to see. We're not meant to do life alone because I, you know, anyway, so that's incredibly brave because I can think of asking if Jenna was to offer information and I'm like, Nope, I don't want to hear it. The other day we were driving down the road and she's like, Oh, you know how you do this, that, and the other thing. And I started, I could feel myself just start waving my hand in her face. Nope, Nope, Nope. Can't take it. Can't take it too sensitive right now. Totally. So I'm in, I'm really impressed that you would actually have the guts to ask him for real feedback and then be okay with it. Even though you're, you know that it will hurt. 
Yeah. And I think just being able to voice, yeah, it's painful. That stung, but I'm okay because I asked for it and I want to grow. So let's deal with the sting <laughs> and I'll move yeah. on. You know, that's I think really that's good. a big thing. I thought of a more, I thought of like a more vulnerable question too. So if there was ever a moment where Jess is wondering something, she just asks, which I think would be intimidating for some relationships, especially based on how much trust. So for instance, like if we're watching a movie and all of a sudden there's someone naked, like she's like, are you attracted to that woman? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, like I'm like, uh, yeah, or no, or, you know, like I usually give her a straight answer. She's like, mm, okay. You know, like she just <laughs> also not gen- from a trapping place. Yeah. Not because I want to catch him in something, but because I'm like, oh, I'd rather us be comfortable to talk through these things wow. if they're coming up, than it feel like you can't process it through with me because you feel shame about it or some other emotion. And she knows like if there's attraction, it doesn't mean that that's like, oh, I'm leaving you or like, oh, I'm more attracted to them than I am to you or this changes our relationship. It's not a a question about the foundation of our marriage. It's genuinely something curious like she's like i want to know i want to know what's going on inside of you and understand that and i think that would feel really scary or intimidating for a lot of people i think that jess and i built our relationship on asking questions and that's how we build relationships with people so we and that was kind of the culture of our college was that's how people build relationship you'd sit with people and ask them about themselves which is also why i think we're friends with you guys because that's you guys do that too and it was, I remember the first couple times we hung out, I was like, whoa, they ask light questions, but also deep questions. And that's rare. And we looked for that a lot when we first moved to Reading. Um, but I think it's been something that's been foundational. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. I think so too. I grew up in that. So my fa- my family always had a I'd rather you talk about it here and feel comfortable talking about it here and going on your journey because I know that this is a safe place than going out and not feeling like you have a safe place to land when you have these questions coming up. So, and I think about your kids, I think Jenna and I've talked about this. I want your kids to feel like they can come to me and be like, Hey, I'm questioning this, or I have this thought that came up. Can we process it through? And you can't just jump from not asking any questions and processing Mm. to that place. You have to build on it and create a culture for it. And so I just, I think I grew up a little bit more with that as a value too. How would you, what would you tell couples who are, this is such a foreign idea that it sounds terrifying and they may not know how to ask those questions without it being a trap. In my mind, when you, when I hear you say, is that woman attractive? I can see a lot of people's reactions to that being like, there's no way that could end well. What tools would you give people that want to get better at asking good questions of each other? Mm -hmm. I think it would be starting with something smaller. So if your trust has probably been broken and there's, or something's happened where it's like, I can't trust this man's, you know, what he's going to tell me, or I can't trust that this woman is going to have the best, you know, view of this or vice versa, depending on how it shows up in your relationship. I think it's what can we start building trust on? That would feel lower stakes. So it's, hey, what time are you going to be home tonight? Oh, I'm going to be home at 5.30. And then it's like actually seeing those things be consistent or happen and see trust be built in something that feels low stakes, something that's not, you know, no one's going to actually have big high emotions around something, you know, Mm -hmm. 
So finding what that something is and then seeing if you can build trust there and then slowly move up with questions of, you know, or even asking questions that aren't related to each other, probably first questions like, Hey, what's something that you're going through right now? Or what's something that you're afraid of right now? Or what's something that you're learning right now? Like questions that you could actually start building intimacy and then with that actually building trust. So you could, you know, have some kind of foundation. Cause I don't think we could have asked those questions if we didn't build the knowing of each other first. Mm-hmm. And then also asking follow-up questions too. So oftentimes if I ask a question to him and he gives a response, I can ask a follow-up question if I want more clarity on something or he'll ask me a follow-up question. So we can use the attractive question as an example. Cause it's an easy one. He could ask a follow-up question of like, well, what made you want to know that? And so then having a conversation and it become a dialogue because Oftentimes it will come back down to a root of something that I'm feeling or he's feeling that then we can build connection with each other in talking about. Because if I'm watching, I mean, sometimes it's just out of curiosity, but if I ask, oh, are you attracted to that person? He can answer and he's like, well, why did you want to know? Oh, well, because I don't look like that person or Mm -hmm. I was feeling insecure about this. Oh, well, what's making you feel insecure right now? well, I had a hard day at work and this is coming. So it just kind of spirals in a good way to lead to more conversation and more depth with each other. It's interesting because as you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, I hadn't connected the dots before, but y'all aren't bitter at each other. Like I just never, when you're talking about your differences and like obviously introvert, extrovert, and it's like there's a lot that you could bemoan. But I think it's like, I think it plays into this question where you keep short accounts and you actually deal and address things head on. And I don't think you let like, as I was listening to you talk about potential questions, I'm like, Oh, a lot of people could just be afraid of the answers or their anxiety jacked about the answers. And like, you know that it doesn't end there. So whether the answer is what you're looking, you know, like jacks your anxiety or fear, like you're going to follow up and get to the root of it. So I was like, Oh, I think that's like really helped you like, I see the lack of bitterness and um, what else am I trying to say, babe? Like the, yeah, there's a, there's not a bunch of pain that is mm. surfacing with each of these questions that I'm not asking you a, when you checked out that girl way back then or three the, years ago, the mound of porn that I know you've watched, like that's not what's surfacing in the middle, in the midst of this question. But I wanted to say as well as something that feels hard about asking questions like that is for me, I think that I know the answer. So I know what Jenna's thinking and I know what she, why she's quiet and I know why she set the cup down the way that she did. And so I don't need to ask her. I just get, I'm just going to go ahead and get pissed off back at her because if you I, can't hear the heavy sarcasm. But it's, yeah, it is sarcastic, but I, I actually, that, that's what I do so often because I, I just, um, Dan Fairley at church says, Instead of being suspicious of being of what the other person is thinking and feeling, you should be really suspicious of your imaginary ability to read someone else's mind. And that hit me so hard the first time because I realized, wow, I'm always, quote unquote, reading Jenna's mind and pulling out, you know, the worst possible scenario. And then building a case against. And then I fight with her in my head. And then I also she says something nice and I'm like, oh, wait, we're not angry at each other? <laughs> Whoops. Which, and it's interesting how all of it could be cleared up with it. I think you got at the beginning, you were like, I'm wondering if you're mad at me, like just actually asking it rather than. And I heard Brene Brown say, 
the story I'm telling myself is mm-hmm. this. And that has been massively helpful for us uh, recently as I've started doing that more. Hey, this is the story. This is what I hear myself. Um, this is the story I tell myself about what you're thinking about me and how you're feeling or why you asked this question or why you did this. Is that true? Because it felt, it feels like it takes the blame off of them and takes ownership of the thing, the story I am telling myself in my head. It's Mm -hmm. been really helpful. But also to piggyback on that, I think active listening is a huge tool for any relationship. What do you mean by that? So he can explain, Andrew can explain to me what he's feeling in a moment. And I could actually still hear something completely different because of the lens that he is speaking and I am then hearing through. So actively listening back to him and saying, this is what I hear you saying. Is that true? And then he can say, no, actually, that's not what I said. Let me use some different language and try again. And then he'll say it. And then it could be two or three times until I finally can hear or vice versa what the person's trying to communicate. And then it helps to validate your emotions too, because he, then he can say, oh, I feel so validated that you actually heard what my heart is experiencing in this versus me just hearing what my lens told me he was saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're not just repeating, you're not just repeating the words back to him. You're saying, this is how I'm interpreting what you're saying. Am I accurate? And even just the act of doing that makes the other person go, oh, they actually want to know, not just defend themselves. And you would be surprised. I can't think of the last time we got it right on the first round of active Mm -hmm. listening. You would be surprised on both sides how many times you have to re-communicate what you're trying to express because we all carry around so many lenses of pain, of joy, of any emotion, of fear. And so those emotions give us different lenses that we're processing things right. through, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's realizing how vulnerable that is because when you're active listening, you're actually repeating back something that's their, their trigger or emotion. So I'm saying when you set down your bag, you were, you felt so angry to me and that hurt me. And she's saying back, Oh, when I came in, if you felt like I was mad at you and da, 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 and it doesn't, she's not actually saying, that I agree. Yeah, that was what I meant. She's just saying, let me understand you first before I try and have you understand me. And Mm. us taking turns in that is very vulnerable because you're repeating back potentially something that you don't agree with at all. Right. And you're saying, hey, I'm going to seek to understand you before I even know if this is true. And that's really scary because you're hearing the words that feel scary come out of your own mouth. And then you you have to believe, oh, at the end of this, this person's also going to listen to me. And that's, and that's the goal of the goal is connection, not mm-hmm. just to hear you and be done. It's to both understand and hear each other. So it's, it's a big deal and it costs, you know, it costs, but it's also worth the cost. I think it's super scary because you just naturally want to defend yourself when somebody, you set your bag down really angrily, you know, a judgment there or my interpretation Um, is it, you know, for whatever reason, I'm assuming you're angry and the person could be super happy or normal or whatever and want to go, no, that's not what is happening right now. Instantly go on the defense. And then we don't actually get to hear what the other person, why they are interpreting this backdrop as angry, like what's happening in you. So, I mean, this happened with us. Um, I came in today. 
Yeah, I, I got home. <laughs> I got home from work and somebody had mentioned, oh yeah, well, I listened to one of your episodes on the podcast and Jenna's volume was really low. And I knew the volume had been low, but she said different things were, it dropped out, I couldn't hear it. And so in my head, I was thinking, no, I think you made User a, error. It was, I think it was user error, but I didn't care after that. I just walked inside and... I thought I came in and I was like, oh, that bummed him out. He's like withdrawn. He's being super quiet. He's mad at her. <laughs> and I finally asked and I was like, I actually think I don't think I did it perfect. I think I said the first time, like, why are you being like withdrawn, you know, accusing rather than asking. And then he's like, I'm not. And then I kind of caught myself and I was like, this is what I th- is. This is what I thought I saw happen. Is that what happened? And then he cleared it up, and I was like, I, I think I even asked, "Are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Yep." And then I was like, "Okay." Like it really is this like choice to believe them. You actually literally said those words. I'm going to choose to believe you, which you know might sound like well, you should. <laughs> but I, I knew for her, this is actually, it, it's right for her to have suspicion because I get, I do get very insecure about these types of things. So she's aware of my insecurity and I'm aware that she's aware. So her going, you know what, I'm just going to choose to believe you and not think that I know better than what's happening inside of you. And if you are lying, which I occasionally do because right. I have... Lines at the right choice. Yes. If you, you catch up with what you're feeling later. Sometimes I have no idea what I'm actually feeling. So she goes, are you feeling bummed out? And I'm like, no. And <laughs> I'm really like, wait, what am I feeling? And I don't want to say yes, because I don't want to process it right then because I have no idea. And so I takes a second to think about it. Well, it usually takes like an hour to think about it. And then I'll come back and go, actually, yes, I am. And I'm finally ready to talk about it. So... Which is actually interesting because I had to get over my codependency. So like you, if I could tell he was upset, asked him and he said no, I would then be like, try to fix him. So I'd be like, how can I make him not mad anymore? Or how can I? And then I would take it on my shoulders and then it actually annoy him more. <laughs> and then I'd get sadder or madder at him, depending. Like I'm working so hard to fix you. And then uh, like sometimes, I think one time earlier on a marriage, you're like, but I never asked you to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's true. And then... So now I have to learn, like, I get to be okay if he's not okay. Or, like, when he says yes, and I'm like, okay, I'm choosing to believe him. That's almost like me putting my ownership, like, I'm not going to be codependent. If you decide differently or figure out differently later that you don't, you weren't okay, I'm not in trouble or I didn't fail as a spouse or I'm not mad at you for lying. Like, you didn't know. So I have to, like, lay down all these ways that it could go wrong and be like, well, well. If it changes, we'll deal with it when it changes rather than like kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I've had to learn to say, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. It's probably not great, but I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have to back off. Do you do that at all? Do you like if he's off, you're like, but why? But what? But blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I like what you communicated about the codependency too, because it looks different. I think in both of us, because your version of codependency is I want to fix it. My version of codependency is I want to crawl in a hole because I feel so much shame and I want to fix myself. So mm-hmm. you want to try your first reaction is fix Aaron. My first reaction is Jess is bad and needs to fix herself. Oh, wow. And so it's interesting even in that to see like where our dysfunctions come in. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. We're a hot mess. A hot mess <laughs> <laughs> that learns, you know, I remember in college we had these people that they were pastors at a church I was going to. And they said, 
don't keep a ledger. And I just remember them beating that into my head. In marriage, you cannot keep a ledger, good or bad. And so I think that that's a catchphrase that we use a lot. Could you unpack that a little bit? So if you're constantly keeping like, he did the dishes more than I did the dishes, Mm. then you're going to build, he's going to build resentment because he's thinking that he's doing that all the time and I'm not helping out. But it can be the same with emotional stuff. So I am a recovering hypochondriac. It was actually a really hard part of a lot of years of my life. And I think Andrew not keeping a ledger Mm -hmm. in that is now having to choose trust for me in sickness. So that's good with him. If he has something like, you know, a dot on his forehead that he wants to show me, he has to choose not to keep a ledger of all of the times that I've spiraled when he's had something wrong with him before. Or if I want to process a migraine that I have, he has to choose not to keep a ledger of all of the times that I've gone into a pit of like destruction and doom and gloom because of sickness. And so there's lots of different practical ways that you just have to choose to start each day fresh and not know that like in the past, this was an issue but you're actually choosing each other today. What's right in front of you? Things like that. I would like to take some claim to the fame of helping our children and their sicknesses. (laughs) Constant (laughs) colds and runny noses have helped. You know, we just reproduce so that we can help you with that. Not even afraid. I'll give them my sleeve to wipe their noses on. It is impressive. (laughs) Would that have actually spiraled you before if they wiped their nose on you? Oh, it did. Do you remember when you had, (laughs) I don't know if we're allowed to say this in dating the Zints, but do you remember when you had your penis issue? With oh, my testicles. With your testicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the testicles are different than the penis. <laughs> She's still learning male thing. anatomy. Me too. Girls are like, same thing. Yeah, I got my vasectomy, and Jen is like, you, so you got your penis cut. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Do you think they tied a rubber band around it or something? So, yes, I had an infection in my left testicle. <laughs> and Jenna needed somebody to come be with the kids. And I was like, is it infectious? <laughs> yeah, Jess. Like, Jess is like, is my testicle going to get this? I'm like, Jess, well, first of all, let's terrified. unpack this. We had to like walk through it though. I was like, Jess, okay, so what do you think would happen? Like, where are you thinking you'd pass it to me? Or are you thinking like you're going to get this somewhere else? And she's like, I just don't know. I've never heard of this before. Where will I get it? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was I don't like, know how we fine. got on this, but it was bad. It was you. Oh, it was uh, the Zins helping you. With yeah, the the yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I knew that you yeah. were scared of catching my testicle. No, I specifically asked Jenna, is it, is it contagious? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I can come help with the kids because you needed help with them. I was them. super pregnant. And I was like, yeah. I can come over, but is it contagious? Just, I'm really afraid. And you're like, no, it's... touch me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay. One of the things we've decided we want to do when we end it is ask everybody for an awkward... Awkward sex story of the week. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> we can say... Are we going to say awkward? We have to decide now. Awkward sex story or awkward marriage story? Because I feel like there are some guests. I think this that side of the ask. table says sex, sex is so titillating. Yeah, that oh my sounds gosh. gross. Word so is that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's moist. Oh. oh, you made it worse. <laughs> just, just put the ball in their court, and then you really get to see if they're brave. Okay, agreed. Guys, give us an awkward, funny sex story. 
Well, we wait, had some preparation, wanna, so we know. <laughs> preparation. <laughs> we had sex before this. <laughs> and it was super awkward. Good job. It was the weirdest. Take it, kids. Okay, so when Jess and I first got married, we didn't really know what we were doing because we were both virgins. You know, we made it. Well done. We <laughs> made it to the marriage room. If you didn't, no shame. <laughs> Come talk to me. Just kidding. <laughs> You're full. You can <laughs> no, no, I can't really. <laughs> so there. So when we first got married, we were we went to have sex, and Jess was really nervous, and so like I couldn't get to where I was supposed to go <laughs> because she was so because nervous. she was really like tense and like mm-hmm. and so I was like so in my mind I was like oh maybe so we actually just figured out what was happening today because we talked about this and oh, I was wow. like what was happening. And so I thought it was the angle we were at. And I was like, oh, maybe we don't know how to do this. And so I was like, I think to have sex, you have to have, Jess has to have her legs over my shoulders. (laughs) And so we thought that that was how you had just normal sex was her legs were over my shoulders every time we had sex. And so how long did that last okay, for our whole two week honeymoon? So we we were on our honeymoon and every time and Jess was like, sex is so exhausting my legs get so tired and i was like yeah i'm tired of holding your legs like and so then we were like trying other things which was you know probably good because it like pushed us out of our comfort zone but we were always like this is so people do this all the time like this is missionary this is the sex that people have the most often it's like kind of like acrobatic and then just like very confused so we come back from our honeymoon and we we have a housemate housemate who will remain nameless but they are British, and then this is what happened next. You. Well, they were asking. We're very open with our friends, so they're like, well, how sex? Like, you know, Christians. Can you do it in a British accent? They were like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I have some pride. You're jolly good. I want to oh keep gosh. my Phoebe yeah. Judge voice. <laughs> um, so they were like, well, how sex? I'm like, well, it's good. We've been enjoying it, but my legs just get so tired every time, and I'm exhausted from trying to keep them above his head. And she's like, well, I'm a little bit confused. Can you give me a visual? <laughs> like, help me understand what's happening. So we, I laid on the couch and I showed her. I laid and I put my legs up in a big V in the air. <laughs> like, on my back, legs up in a V. And she just reaches onto my ankle and she goes, put your legs down. And she shows me that I can actually put my legs down, but still have them open enough for Andrew to be able to find where he needs to be and as she's pulling my legs down i just let out the biggest fart and so it's almost like a lever of just pulling them down and going <gasps> so there's the point that i farted and it was very embarrassing and then also the point that then we kind of looked at each other we're like okay so we tried it that night and we're like this is awesome it's so comfortable so we called it cuddle sex because we're like Cuddle sex is awesome. It takes no work. You're just like cuddling together. So we told everybody after that, we're like, try cuddle sex. You'll really enjoy it. And everyone's like, what? And we're like, oh, you know, like when you don't have your legs in the air. And they're like, oh, like normal sex? (laughs) No, we're like, oh, okay. I also love the fact that your roommate, your single roommate helped you walk through this with a good tip. She was a gem. That was a good one, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. My cheeks hurt from laughing so hard. Yeah, I tried not to scream into the mic. It was 
do you, <laughs> since this is double dates with the zits, do you get to tell us a funny story? Oh, oh sure. So many. Okay. Um, oh, can I tell one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so when I was pregnant, super pregnant with our third, we were having sex right before, because everyone's like, you know, have a lot of sex, don't have babies. Like, literally, I had... the baby come sooner. Yeah, that's what I meant to say, not have a lot <laughs> of babies. Like, I was like, well, that's probably also true. Yeah, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> it's still working on the third kid. <laughs> so we're having sex, and I um, peed a little bit on him. <laughs> I had no bladder control, but then he was so grossed I out. I was like, oh, oh, j- you're peeing. You're peeing on me. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then she's, and then I died laughing. She starts laughing so and I peeing more. Like, stop, stop. You're peeing. Stop it. Oh he my pushes God. me off of him. So I'm super pregnant. It was just this big roll. And I was really embarrassed, but also find it so funny. So there's just a lot of pee on air. And at that point, it was killed the mood. Not enjoyable. <laughs> But then I kept laughing. You know what's fun? I'm going to bring it back. Sorry. And close it. But it was interesting having like y'all talk because we obviously know you really well. And I feel like we've had like hard and deep conversations before. But I don't think I actually had clued into the like questions and how like honest and how often and frequently you practice these. Would you say that you do that like daily? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like a natural part of us. Like what you'll even ask, like, (laughs) it's never just how was work? It's like, how is work? Was there anything that came up today? What was something you felt successful at? Like it's almost probably annoying <laughs> for Jess sometimes, but it's but also it's like we always know there will be a few points of connection that the other person really wants to know, mm. and so it's yeah, I would say it's probably. Would you say it's daily? It's probably daily. Mm-hmm. It's just second nature at this point. Yeah, we ask a lot of questions. That's cool. Yeah. Well, well done keeping short accounts and mm. doing such honest communication. Thank you for coming over yeah. tonight. Oh, thanks for having us, guys. This was fun. I'm already ready for round two. <laughs> okay, help us find a name. No, <laughs> repeat guests. I'll practice my PB Judd voice. It's beautiful. Thanks. So perfect. Okay, have a great night. This is it. you can see why we like them so much (laughs) they are so fun and funny but also super wise so we get a lot of just hanging out and having conversations with them i want them to come back (laughs) so something i i mean i got a lot of gold nuggets out of that with the them asking hard questions to each other over and over um not reading each other's minds, which is something that I love to try to do, just I'm never successful at. And they were saying that like, they ask the hard questions so they don't make the assumptions that they can read minds. Like that's where they kind of like tie in. Right. right? And even when they do do that, they've given each other permission to call it out and say, hey, do you want to know what I'm actually thinking? Or do you want to ask me what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking? Um, I know for me if i start to think that jenna is upset for some reason i start thinking i start arguing with you in my head most of the time about why you're wrong for feeling the way that you're feeling because i'm usually feeling hurt by what i think you're feeling about me or whatever happened so i start arguing with you in my head or start replaying whatever incident i thought brought in this new silence that i'm hearing and trying to decode it and figure out where I, no, I, I didn't do anything wrong. How dare she, you know, I start going through this and then all of a sudden Jenna is usually like, so what do you want to do for dinner? Super nice and bubbly all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh wait, we're not fighting. Okay. 
Um, you have to catch up with the non-fight that was yeah, happening. <laughs> then I have to like go, all right, chill out. Don't let her on. Don't let her know that you were just freaking out about her. And just to, so we're saying that if you had used Jess and Andrews asks so much earlier. Yeah. I could have calmed the storm before it started. Just by, isn't that crazy? Just by a question. So I don't have very many, much silence in my life. <laughs> and Aaron has lots of silence. So when somebody is silent, Jenna goes, there's something wrong here. Like when I see a typo in a book, I hear mm, in my head. Or when somebody says something wrong, I hear that same siren go off. And when after she, years of marriage talk, he no longer corrects me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I still hear the buzzer go off when she says a wrong word or word wrong, but I don't correct her anymore. On the flip side, when I am quiet or if I go <sighs> like that, I sigh, Jenna. Oh, I spin out, you guys. <laughs> sigh. M- more so in the beginning of marriage. I'm getting yeah. better. I've learned more. But I'm like, I, it was so subconscious too, but I'd instantly like perk up and be like, something's wrong with Aaron internally and be like, do you want to play your guitar? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want some food? I can make you a sandwich. And I would go through all these things and it would confuse him because he'd be like, where is this barrage coming from? (laughs) And then finally we figured out like, oh, you like literally probably like 10 minutes of conversation realizing he sighed. That triggered in me, like my code book is, that means he's bored, unhappy, needs a change of pace. I'm boring him. Like just a slew of things like that. So then I also was like trying to fix the situation when in reality when i do that it's me breathing (laughs) when you sigh you're just breathing i realized i sighed like four or five times today because my coworker was like everything all right over there i'm like yeah why she's like well you just sighed i was like oh yeah that was i needed more air is uh, maybe the takeaway is though you sigh more than normal people (laughs) that could be that could be i think the takeaway is that what would have solved the issue of you thinking that I'm spinning out or whatever would be, hey, what are you feeling right now? What's going on? And I probably would be like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And you may not have believed me at that time, but as time went on, we would have discovered that quicker rather than us doing this back and forth. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this? And me going like, why are you asking me this? This doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm fine. That's true. We could have cut to the chase. I think the other takeaway for me was that their questions weren't... um there wasn't so when Jess would ask something about like, did you find that woman attractive? She wasn't trying to catch or trick him. I think that's really actually hard to do. It is, yeah, yeah. That specific question, but I think like actually having pure motives and wanting to know, like assuming I don't know what's going in on you, going on in your head versus mm-hmm. like I'm waiting to tell you so you can tell me how mad you are. Like it's just yeah. a slight heart adjustment, but like actually coming with a blatant slate of you tell me, I'm not waiting for you to confirm my case kind of. Yeah. And then also to not when, um, if like they had used the example of you're so mad, blah, blah, blah. And then Andrew saying, do you want to ask me how I'm feeling? Just that phrase could be said so differently and said like in a jerk kind of way, like, do you want to ask me or do you want to keep being wrong? You know, and that could sure. be fuel to the fire. So I think like all, like a lot of these tools, like it's a heart posture. It's because you want to right. choose connection. It's because you want to under actually or seeking to understand what's going on in the person rather than manipulating, you know, ninja manipulation skills. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where you actually learn good communication skills, but your heart behind it is wrong and it winds up being used for evil <laughs> <laughs> or more conflict or winds up in more conflict. All right. So our homework for our listeners is if you are married or have a significant other or have a roommate, somebody that you care about, 
we want you to start to catch yourself when you start assigning emotion to the people around you, which is your indication that you're trying to read their mind. Based on their body language, you might be right. But the important thing is to actually ask the question, mm-hmm. hey, I'm wondering if you're feeling this, or I'm wondering if this is go- something's going on. Can you tell me like what's happening inside of you right now? I'm curious. And even to like catching it in the moment. I think sometimes we think we have to wait, sit them down on the couch, you know, have a confrontation, but this is actually like- It can be low stakes. Low stakes. And like, because you're assuming you don't actually know what's going on. So right. just seeking to understand at this point. So catch yourself trying to read someone's mind and actually ask the question. And one step further, if you want to get really vulnerable, is when you start to recognize that you are reading somebody else's motives out of thin air, that you know why they're upset and et cetera, et cetera, and it has to do with you, you can say to them, the story that I'm telling myself is that you are upset with me because of this interaction that we had earlier. Is that true? Because what that does is takes full ownership of the things that you're thinking and feeling and the interpretations you have about their actions or their mood. And it takes ownership for that and says, here's what I'm telling myself. And I recognize that that may not be true. Can you let me in? I want to know you. That's what that says. It invites them in for a conversation and doesn't put them on the defensive as much as, hey, uh, I know you're angry about Blah, 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 blah. Even that sentence, I know you're angry. Like, no, you actually don't. Yeah. (laughs) So ask. Good job. That's good homework. Okay. Challenge you. And honestly, take it one step forward and have your significant other spouse listen to this so that they're on the same page and they're both operating with the same, you both have the same homework assignment. Yeah. That's great. All right, babe. Love you. Love you too.